Grace and peace be yours in abundance. My brothers and sisters, in 2022, a survey went out to every nation in the world to try to determine which the happiest country is. The survey was simple, asking citizens of each country to rate their happiness on a scale of 1 to 10. And once the results were pooled, the United States came in 16th place. The number one spot, Finland. Why do you think Finland is the happiest nation, so-called, on Earth? Is it because the locals are so friendly? Is it because of the rich culture, the, the friendliness, the delicious coffee, the nice nature walks you can go on, the nice bodies of water that you can live by if you live there? What do you think the daily schedule is like of one of the happiest people on earth? What beliefs do they carry around in their heart? We Christians, we are citizens of a greater kingdom. The kingdom of Christ is a spiritual kingdom. It's not of this world. And yet Jesus, in what is called his Sermon on the Mount, starts it off by talking about who the happiest people in the kingdom of Christ are like. And this is how he defines it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now the word that's translated in most translations as blessed just as well means happy. So Jesus is saying, happy are you if you are poor in spirit, if you are spiritually exhausted, if you are battered, if you are beaten down by life. If you mourn loss, if you lost someone or something, then you are blessed. Then you are the happiest in his kingdom. If you are meek, if you are weak, if you are pummeled by life, if someone is always coming around who's stronger than you, then you are the happiest in his kingdom. Not what you'd expect. Kind of feels like if you were investigating why citizens of Finland are so happy, and you found out that taxes are high, no one can afford rent, young are dying, and people who live into their old age live long lives of suffering. And yet this is the happiest country on earth. You would question their sanity. You would question their governing leaders. You would have a lot of questions. And here G Jesus is saying the happiest people in his kingdom are the neediest. Take, for example, the one that sounds the most positive. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. On face value, that sounds really good, but I don't know if you've ever been hungry or thirsty before. Not always the best feeling, is it? In fact, hunger pains and thirst is your body's signal to pay attention to because there's a need. You start to feel hungry because your body's saying, hey, listen up, if we don't eat something sometime soon... Things aren't going to go so well. So if you're hungry, if you're thirsty for righteousness, that means you don't have it. It means you need it. And you are keenly aware of that need. But that's supposed to make you happy, Jesus? 
What's this all about? As Jesus sits himself down on that Galilean hillside, and as all these people come from all these areas of life, walks of life, to come hear him preach, is he being fair to them? Are you trying to drive these people away, Jesus? These people have given up time at their jobs, time with their family to come hear you preach, and this is the message that they get? They're probably looking for a way out of their suffering, out of their weakness, and here you're telling them that they're blessed as they are. Is Jesus driving you away with a message like this? That to be happy in his kingdom, you've got to be weak and hungry, you've got to mourn? If so, if this is creating some cognitive dissonance, if this is creating some consternation, then Jesus' message just might be taking its intended effect, brothers and sisters. Jesus is not exaggerating. He's not uh, making a point, I guess you could say. He's saying what he means. But these words are like a metal knife on a porcelain plate to people who think their life's goal is to be as comfortable as possible on this rock called planet Earth. Because Jesus' point is, it's not going to happen. If there's anything that is guaranteed, that is, that is certain about life on earth, it's that you're going to feel weak. You're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're going to feel beaten down, poor in spirit, exhausted, because this world is profoundly broken. It has been since the fall into sin. So blessed, Jesus says, Happy are the people who don't feel at home in this world, who feel a sense of profound unallrightness with living in a world of so much unrighteousness. The happiest people in the kingdom of Christ are the neediest. Who are the weak? Who are the meek? Who are the poor in spirit? Who are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Who are the people who feel beaten down by life circumstances, tired, exhausted of things that are happening to us? That sounds a lot like me. That sounds a lot like us. Who are the, the meek, the weak, where someone can just come along who's more powerful, more in control, has more authority, and do whatever they want, and all we have to do is sit there and take it? That sounds a lot like us. Who are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're surrounded by unrighteousness, and even when they look inside, they don't find any righteousness there by nature? who can't escape the fact that they are morally inadequate, that they keep sinning, that they need a righteousness, they hunger, they thirst for it because we can't get it ourselves. That's us. Jesus is preaching to the struggling, to the weak, to the sinful. And he says, you are blessed. Why? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Who's the happiest person at a birthday party? Probably the person who's been scraping by to get groceries for the past couple months. And here they are in a private room enjoying unlimited appetizers for free. Or maybe it's the person who's been going through life convinced that they have no friends, that no one cares about them. And here they are hanging out with a bunch of people laughing with them, having a good time. Or it's maybe the person who has sinned against the person whose birthday it is. Here they were invited to the party as a profound gesture of forgiveness. The happiest person in the kingdom of God is the one who most understands how little they deserve to be there. That's you and me. You are blessed when you feel weak, when you are beaten down, when you are exhausted, because then you are able to see your strength can only come from Christ. Blessed are you who mourn loss, and who of us here is not mourning the loss of a loved one? Why? Because as John says in Revelation, Christ himself will come and dry your tears. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who despair of your own ability to make yourself right with God. Why? Because Jesus came to reconcile you to God, and he has. That's why you are these blessed ones Jesus talks about. This is so different than the kind of happiness, the kind of success that the world preaches, that the world teaches. What does the world say? To distance yourself from suffering and to try to be the best version of yourself. And so you read books, you see accounts of people who are successful and they chronicle what they do every day. You look at what time they get up in the morning and we say, wow, how many minutes they spend in the ice bath every day, wow. You look at their diet plan, their workout plan, how many books they read a week, wow. And what do we say every time? I could never do that. I'm not that disciplined. But what does Jesus say? You already are, as you stand right now, the happiest, the most successful people in his kingdom. Not because of anything you've done. To be successful, to be happiest in the kingdom of Christ, it's not about grabbing the bull by the horns. It's about how Jesus has grabbed you with his love. How he grabbed your sin and took it to his cross. It's not about cultivating and building the perfect day, the perfect habits. It's about the relationship Jesus has built with you through word and sacrament. It's not about digging deep. And figuring out your personal philosophy of life, your own personal why, your mantra. Jesus hand, <clears throat> hand wraps your why, your reason for living, and delivers it to you. That you are a saved, blood-bought child of God. He gives you your mantra. It is, Lord, have mercy on me. It is, I resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. That's your life's mantra through Christ. And notice we've said nothing so far about what you do, about behavior, about action, because that's not where it starts. 
Your happiness, your success in Christ's kingdom does not start with what you can perform, but Christ for you. That's not to say that your actions completely don't matter. That's where Jesus goes next. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Brothers and sisters, we need to keep a level head. If there's any part of Jesus' beatitudes, as they are called, the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, where we are most tempted to make God into an if-then God, it's in the verses I just read. If I show mercy, then I will be shown mercy. If I am pure in heart, then I will see God. If I'm a peacemaker, then I will be called children of God. If I'm persecuted, then I get to go to heaven. Then I get to claim to be treated just like the prophets. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus does not preach an if-then message, does he? He preaches a you are, so now message. And if then God, if you behave this way, then God will bless you in these ways, is a distant God. You do not have a relationship with that kind of God. You have a contract. But what Jesus is doing in these verses is he's getting out the microscope. He's taking a sample. He's showing us our own blood, our own DNA. Because Christ has purified our hearts. This is who we are. We are merciful. Mercy defines who we are, defines our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is defined by the fact that he does not treat us as our sins deserve. So what does that mean for our relationships with people? That they are also defined by God's mercy. What does that look like? That might look like Forgiving someone for the 50th time this week because they just keep sinning against you. That might look like smiling at someone that you don't necessarily spend a lot of time with or want to. That might mean calling someone even though you have a busy day but you know that they're struggling. It might mean donating to a cause that you care about. Blessed are those show mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now we have certain connotations for that. Pure in heart makes us think of moral perfection, and we know that that's a standard none of us live up to. But what Jesus is saying here might better be represented by saying, blessed are those who are purified in heart, whose hearts have been cleansed, and that is 100% you. But what does that look like? Maybe. That looks like turning off the TV or closing out the web browser or turning off the podcast because what you're hearing and what you're seeing is making it really hard for you to think purified thoughts and it's taking you down a road of anger and hatred or lust. 
Maybe that means turning your feet around or turning the car around because where you're headed, you know, is going to be full of temptation. And even the purified of heart are weak in body. Blessed are the peacemakers. The kind of peacemaking Jesus has in mind is reconciliation between warring parties, making peace between them. You know that's what Jesus is all about because Jesus has made peace between you and God, but now he calls you a peacemaker. What does that look like? What does it sound like? Maybe like this. I don't know if I really want to talk about that with you guys because they're not here and they won't be able to defend themselves. Therefore, we'll only get one side of the story. Or maybe it sounds like, wow, that person must be in a lot of pain to act that way. I wonder how we can help them. Or maybe it sounds like my brother, my sister in Christ, Jesus forgives your sins. Blessed are the peacemakers. There are so many opportunities, so many different ways that these things will play out that Jesus says, but one thing is absolutely certain. None of this happens in a vacuum. None of this happens if we are locked in our room by ourselves. So it might seem like Jesus is preaching a double message, that you are blessed, you are separate from the world, your home is not, at, not on, this, on this earth, but at the same time, you are to spend time with people, to be the kind of mercy showers, the kind of peacemakers, the kind of purified in heart that Jesus is talking about. The guarantee is that you must be around people. And the guarantee is when you are around people who have sinful natures just like you do, they will sin against you. You will have an opportunity to show mercy. You will have opportunities to sow seeds of peace. You will have opportunities to show your purified heart. As long as you're around people, it's going to happen. You will have opportunities to be persecuted. You don't need to look for those opportunities. They will come. Opportunities for you to show who you are in Christ. For you to be the blessed, happy person that you are. Okay. So why is Finland the number one happiest country in the world? What did the survey show? It showed that Finns are profoundly convinced that their government will act in the interest of justice, that their neighbors will behave respectfully and charitably, and that society will keep progressing in a positive direction. This makes them feel generally happy. But can we imagine a deeper form of happiness? A happiness that doesn't depend on how our government acts, that even if our government doesn't act in the interest of justice, that we will still be blessed. A kind of happiness that doesn't depend on how our neighbor treats us, that if they sin against us, we will still be able to be happy and blessed. And that if society does not progress in a positive direction, because all signs point to it not doing that, that we will still have reason to have hope and joy and trust. 
That's what comes from the blessedness Jesus is talking about. You are blessed in Christ. You belong to a greater kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. So your happiness doesn't depend on these things. It's not even a human emotion. It is a fact and a state of being that you are blessed. So be glad. Amen.